Welcome to From the Den Podcast, providing Bears and NFL fans alike with compelling news, discussion, and debate. I'm your co-host, Benjamin, joined alongside my dear friend and co-host, Orin. Hey, Benjamin, let's get right into it. As always, kickoff starts now. Welcome to the eighth episode of From to Den, where today we have former Bears offensive lineman Ted Larson. Ted, how are you doing? Doing good. Good to be here. I'm glad. Again, Ted, thank you so much for coming on this podcast, and uh, let's get right into it. So in the wake of this global pandemic that is COVID-19, all sports have had to adjust. How do you anticipate that the NFL will do this as an NFL player, and what do you advise them to do? I mean, I think they have a plan. I think they're kind of looking at other sports and seeing how they return to play. Uh, Bundesliga is back. And I think the UFC and some other sports are coming back. So I think they kind of look towards that and, and possibly to see how baseball and uh, hockey and basketball come back. So I think there will be football. I just, I don't know in what capacity it'll be. Got it. So you grew up playing baseball, basketball, and soccer, and you didn't end up playing. And you didn't end up playing football until high school. What led you to choose football over those sports? I always wanted to play football. Uh, my parents didn't let me play football until I was in high school uh, because I was I was mainly too big. I was too big to play pop Warner when I was in middle school. I think there was like a 150 pound weight limit. So I, I wasn't able to, but uh, I always wanted to play football. And, and once I got to high school, I, I, I had the opportunity to do it. Got it. So uh, in high school, you were ranked around 1300s in the United States and the 76th defensive tackle. But you obviously proved uh, those rankings wrong and did a lot better as you eventually made the NFL and have a good career currently. So do you think of that ranking as a chip on your shoulder or did it cause you to improve or what? Yeah, I mean... I didn't even know that was, that was a ranking. Uh, I, I know that uh, I was still new to football. And, and even when I, when I got to college, I switched to offensive line. So I was new to that. So I feel like it, I've always kind of been growing and always trying to get better. So, I mean, the ranking is, is what it is. And uh, I try to just focus on stuff I can, I can control. And, and that's how I prepare for games and, and how I prepare for season. Got it. Yeah, so out of your high school, Palm Harbor University High School, you were the first player ever drafted out of there. Did you feel a sense of responsibility being drafted, being the only player drafted from there? Or pride even? Yeah, pride, sure. I mean, it's uh, it's a relatively new high school. You know, when I went there, I think it was only the, I want to say like fifth or sixth year that the school was around. So it, it, it wasn't a particularly... Uh, old high school and the way it was set up, there was a bunch of magnet programs. So we played in a division that, that had much bigger schools, but we actually didn't have the, the talent or uh, players to play in that big division. We just happened to have a big school because we've had a bunch of, uh, we had like an IB program. We had a medical magnet. So we had a bunch of kids that added to the population, but didn't play sports. So we were kind of out of our, out of our league in, in high school. Got it. Uh, in high school, you played defensive line, and then college, you transitioned to offensive line. So uh, what led you to transition? I mean, I played D-line and, and O-line in high school. Oh, uh, sorry. I always enjoyed defensive line more. Uh, but just kind of being a high school athlete, you end up playing both ways. Uh, wanted to play defensive line in college. I did that for a little bit. We had a new coaching staff that came in and, and saw 
uh, an opportunity to use me on, on the offensive line. So I made the switch and I was able to help the team out in that capacity. And then I was able to also uh, kind of create a, a career for myself in the NFL. And, and I'm still going with that. Would you ever consider playing a few snaps as on the defensive line? If let's say, or the whole defensive line got injured or something like that. So you're given the opportunity. Uh, pr- yeah, probably young earlier in my career. I would early on in my career, my rookie year, we went to the fourth preseason game. I was with new England. We, I think they only dressed like three or four D linemen. And so they, they told me that I had to, I had to play a little bit of D line. So I ended up playing like uh, two snaps of D line in the NFL in a preseason game. So, so that's happened. And uh, you know, like I said, anything you can do to help the team, but I think those days are over for me. Hmm. Got it. Uh, about being drafted by the Patriots. Can you uh, relive your experience of being drafted into the NFL? And uh, sure. what was your initial reaction? And were there any other teams that you were expecting to draft you, or did you know it was going to be the Patriots? No, I, I didn't know it was the Patriots. You you have an idea of who likes you based on workouts and, and visits that you take before the draft. Uh, I kind of thought I was going to go to Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons, earlier in the third or fourth round. Uh, but they ended up taking a couple other players. Uh, you know, thrilled to go to the Patriots and learn from the coach Belichick and that whole coaching staff. It didn't work out there, but uh, they gave me my opportunity to, to come into the NFL. So uh, that, that's kind of about where my Patriots uh, experience ended after training camp. So this off season, Tom Brady left New England to go to Tampa Bay and knowing the whole relationship between Belichick and Brady, were you surprised by Brady's choice to leave? Oh, I mean, I can't speak too much into that. Uh, you know, like I said, I was only there briefly. I think everybody, you know, no matter what sport or business you're in, you know, sometimes it's just time for a change. And I'm sure that's what it was. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure both parties will go on to have success uh, in their respective teams. Got it. Uh, so after you were released by New England, you went to your uh, the team closest to your hometown in Tampa Bay. Uh, did you grow up liking the Buccaneers, and did, did that uh, influence your decision to sign with them? Well, yeah, actually, that's that was kind of the hometown hometown team that I I like to go watch and and root for. But I didn't really have an option because they picked me up right off of waivers. So when that happens, they uh, <clears throat> submit a claim and they they pick up your contract, so you don't have an option. And there's like a ranking as far as like the worst teams get the earliest pick on the waiver wire, similar to like a draft order. So they had like the third pick in the draft. So they, they were the first team that, that submitted a, a waiver claim and got me. So I didn't have a choice, but it was actually a perfect place to go. Yeah, I could imagine. Got it. So in 2011, you started three games. Your team's offensive yards for the total season was ranked 21st. But in 2010, 2012, the Buccaneers are the ninth most total yards on offense. Why do you think that there was such a sudden jump? Because you were a part of the offense more. You could probably get a better tell of what happened. Yeah, so I played, I want to say like 10 or 11 games my rookie year, and I didn't play as many that second year. But the second year was post-lockout. There were a lot of young guys on the team, and we didn't have an offseason together similar to this year. So I think uh, – a combination of having a young team and not having an off season to, to get together and work on things kind of led to just a poor year. And, and we were ended up four and 12. And the next year we had a new coaching staff come in and 
it's kind of when a new coaching staff comes in, it's a completely different situation. And so I think those years in Tampa for, for everyone were kind of, uh, there was a lot of potential and there could have been a lot more success. We just never put it together. We had a lot of talent. We had a lot of really good players. And if anything, we had kind of a lot of mediocrity as far as our star uh, record showed. Uh, you mentioned the coaching change. Do you think that that put your team on an up, up, uh, sorry, more of an upward trend? Or uh, well, I mean, so we were ten and six and missed the playoffs my rookie year, and then the next year we were four and two and went to London and lost that game and lost every game after that. So, uh, and then and then so I'm, like I said, we ended up four and twelve, and and they made a change to Greg Shiano to be the head coach, and he kind of came in and completely redid everything you know remade the roster and and i don't think we we managed better than eight and eight so i don't think it really put the place on an upward swing you know if you look at it was greg shiano for two years and then it was lovey smith for two years and then it was dirk cutter for two years so that place really hasn't had a stable coaching staff uh since i don't know since the raheem morris when i was there so I don't, I don't know that that place had much success, but you know, they got Bruce Arians there now. And, and I think they finally have a little bit of stability there. Do you think that having a stable coaching staff for a, like a long time is a lot more important to a team than having a few coaches who implement different schemes throughout different years to test what's better? Yeah, I think continuity, you know, as far as when you have a new coaching staff, it's not just the offense, the defense. It's also like how they meet, how, what, you know, what days, what off day do you have, what certain times do you practice? So there's, I mean, it takes a year or two to get comfortable with the team. And, you know, these coaches that are there for a year or two years have barely implemented their scheme and, and the coaches are on a really short leash these days. So to hire a, hire a coach, just to fire them two years later, and then you just keep doing that over and over. I don't, think you're going to man manufacture success and versus like a place where you give them a couple of years and you know they're going to implement their scheme they're going to bring in the players they want and i think that's going to lead to more long-term success got it uh moving on to your signing with the cardinals uh if i'm correct in your first season there you started all 16 games so how does playing all 16 games affect your relationship with the team like your role on the team and uh, also did it take a toll on your health at all or no no, so so when I signed uh, with Arizona, it was kind of to come in and compete. They were pretty established on their O-line, and uh, I ended up having a chance to play a lot in the preseason at, at center because the center got hurt, and then I played well, and so they saw fit to put me at guard for the rest of the year. I kind of earned that spot, and so the, the Arizona State was good, and it started off well, and I wish I could have stayed there. It, you know, we I still live in Phoenix. Uh, but I mean, it, it is what it is. And uh, like I said, it, it, it was good while I was there and it was, it was pretty brief. Yeah. So in back your rookie year with the Buccaneers, they went 10 and six and missed the playoffs. And then finally, when you went to the Cardinals in 2014, they played their first playoff game ever. How is a playoff game different than a normal game? How is like the fans different? Just the whole experience. Yeah. I'd say it's just, it's just elevated another notch. You know, it's like the difference between preseason football and regular season. And, and then there's that other notch when it's the playoffs. Uh, it's just, you know, it's win or go home. So I think 
teams are are really focused on you know taking it week by week you know you're it's such a it's such a rare thing to get into the playoffs for some teams so i think people take it pretty serious and, and the level of competition is is elevated and it's uh it's definitely it's definitely another notch up there were you more nervous at all or did you have a sense of calmness or no. yeah i'd say you're pretty you're pretty calm i mean because you've played well enough to get into the playoffs so you just kind of keep doing what you've been doing and uh you know we we made the playoffs in 14 and then 2015 uh and both kind of i don't think we played as well as we could have you know we beat the packers in 15 and then lost to the panthers pretty badly in the nfc championship and i think we we had better teams than we showed in the playoffs but the playoff football is a, is a different beast and, and some teams are built for that. And, and we obviously weren't ready to win in the playoffs. So about losing to the Panthers <clears throat> in 2014, in the first playoff game, in your first playoff game ever, you lost to the Panthers. So then in 2015, was there, um, did a rivalry start to form between those two teams or, you know, you guys wanted revenge more than just playing against a normal or just a different team? Yeah, I think it was just happenstance that we we met them. You know, we were both just two good teams in the NFC. And so uh, in 15, we we tried to prevent what happened in 14. And I think that might have led to uh, some problems there. I mean, obviously, we played probably even worse in 2015. But uh, you can psych yourself out. You can prepare too much, over-prepare. And that, that may have been what happened. But yeah, either way, it was disappointing. Got it. Yeah, so in 2016, you went to the Bears, and you made the playoffs two years in a row, and then you went to Chicago, where they only won three games. How was the transition between going to the playoffs and winning 13 and winning three games? And was it did it take a toll on you? Yeah, that's a rough uh, change, you know, from winning so many games, and then you go to a place like Chicago, which we loved, but we didn't win a ton of games. And uh there were a bunch of close games that we lost that year with Matt Barkley, a quarterback, you know, there are a couple games we lost right at the end of the the game that maybe we should have won, but yeah, it was definitely an adjustment. And, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to come go from a team that wins so much to a team that, that lost so much. And you try to impart some of that knowledge from a good organization and you try to transform a team, but, uh, you know, it's tough to do that. Yeah. So you were on the Chicago Bears in two separate stints, first in 2016 under head coach John Fox and then in 2019 under Matt Nagy. So what were some of the differences that you saw in these two teams in terms of culture or just general coaching? Oh, I mean, completely different because, I mean, the ro- I mean there were a couple people that were still there, but the, the rosters were almost completely different. Yeah. Uh-huh different quarterbacks, uh, you know, obviously different schemes. <laughs> coach Fox is more of a defensive coach and Coach Nagy is more of an offensive coach. Uh, but both teams, it's, you know, we I enjoyed living in Chicago and playing in Chicago. I wish we could have done better both the years I was there because they were both letdowns. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's just, uh, it's indicative of Chicago that the fans are so supportive and, even though, you know, the teams aren't great, it's still a it's still a great place to play. Was there a certain year that you enjoyed playing on the Bears more? Oh, I mean, I enjoyed them both. Uh, 
my family enjoyed living up there and I enjoyed living up there. Uh, I'm glad I played, I played a little more in 2016. Uh, so maybe uh, you could say I enjoyed that a little more, but uh, both times were fun. Yeah, so in 2019, as you know, the Bears went in 2019, the Bears went eight and eight, but the year before they went 12 and four. Why do you think there was such a big regression? And do you think that that team will rebound this year? Uh, I think that each year is its own year. And some teams that have success early on think that they found the formula to win. And they're going to just roll it out like they rolled it out the year before and do everything exactly the same. And teams learn what you do and they, they figure you out and you need to, to treat every year differently and treat every year like it's own year. And so I think there is a lot of expectations and I don't know if the, there was enough planning or, or work done to be a super successful team last year. Got it. Uh, On to your time with the Miami Dolphins in 2018, the Miami Dolphins played the Patriots at home and in the final play, you set a key block on Patrick Chung that enabled the famous miracle in Miami to occur. So can you just relive that experience for us? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a play that, you know, you practice a bunch and you, you never think it's going to happen. But then when it does happen, you want to make sure that you were paying attention even when you were practicing that play. So to have a chance to win the game, uh, you like to think that, uh, that's just an unlikely thing, but I mean, it's happened more than more than you would think. And with a play like that, it kind of shows you that that it's not over until it's over, right? Like you know, there's seven seconds on the clock, and you're on the you're on your own thirty, but there's still a chance. Uh, as long as you you keep the ball moving and you keep you know, don't go down with the ball. It's kind of the idea there. And then I went down and made ended up making a block and, and helped some guys make get open, and, and guys made a play. So. At what point did you realize that Kenyon Drake scored? Or that he was like nearing the end zone and that you actually had a chance to win it? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he kind of just ran by me and, and I think I kind of just was like try, trying to catch up. But I think once you get past a certain level of their defense, you kind of realize that there might be a shot, you know, because you break a couple tackles. There's only a couple guys left. So when you get in the space like that, it's tough to tough as a defense because that's not it's kind of an atypical type of play. Uh, did you or anyone else on the team have a feeling that something was going to happen or was it just shock for everyone? No, I mean, a shock. And I think that's what kind of leads to that. Uh, you know, when there's a celebration, like it's just like kind of unbelievable, but I mean, you always have faith that if you execute the play, it's going to work. And, you know, obviously it worked there. So that, that kind of, that success, you know, breeds confidence. And if I'm in that situation again, I'm sure I'll have, a little bit more success than someone who hasn't been in that situation. Got it. Who do you think the toughest defensive lineman was for you to block? It goes year by year. You know, there's guys that are on top of their game in different years right now. I think Aaron Donald is one of the the better defensive linemen, if not the best. Uh, You know, when I came into the league, it might've been someone else, but right now interior, I mean, him and I would say Fletcher Cox from Philadelphia are probably, uh, at the top of their game. Was there a certain play that you had, this is going back to your rookie career, or rookie season, that uh, where you're like, wow, I'm in the NFL, like a welcome to the NFL moment, uh, positive or negative? Uh, I can't 
uh, I think there's been different things like that, but there's so much work that goes into practicing and preparing for games that by the time you get to the game, <coughs> you're kind of just focused on the task at hand and you're not thinking big picture, but I always try to focus on enjoying the moment and because you never know when it's over. Uh, <coughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I always try to take it in and, and you know, whether it's Soldier Field or, or Green Bay or, or Arizona or Miami or wherever I'm playing, I always try to enjoy the, the stadium and the fans and, and enjoy being in the NFL. Got it. So you've played for a good amount of seasons. Who do you think the best running back was that you blocked for? Uh, I play, play for a lot of – or with a lot of good running backs. I think I've had something like – five or maybe like five or six rookies actually rushed for a thousand yards at the rookie year. Wow. We had Laguerre, Laguerre Blunt in Tampa and Doug Martin in Tampa. And then uh, David Johnson in Arizona, yeah. uh, Jordan, Jordan Howard and uh, uh, Chicago. I'm, I'm, I might be leaving a couple people out, but yeah, I've had some success with, with rookie running backs and played with a lot of good running backs. Kenyon Drake. In Miami, JHI. Uh, I mean, it, I can't say I've had one one favorite running back. They've all been been pretty talented. Got it. Uh, something that gets talked about with the offensive line a lot is them having a good relationship with a quarterback. So, has there ever been a specific quarterback that you've been maybe more incentivized to set a harder block on or work harder for based on their personality, or has it always been the same mentality of just working hard for every quarterback? No, I think you always you want to play your best and you know yeah uh but yeah you're they're definitely closer with other players or certain quarterbacks versus others um and anytime you're on a team for a couple of years or play for a guy or play for with a guy for a couple of years you kind of build that relationship and you know i played with josh freeman for a couple of years in tampa and then jay i played with him in, in chicago and miami and then uh Carson Palmer in Arizona. So, you know, those guys that you played with for a while that uh, you respect, that they respect you, uh, and those are the relationships that you really appreciate. Yeah. Do you think that there are any specific players that you took under their wing and taught you how to be, and they, and you taught them how to become a better offensive lineman? Yeah. You try to add value to the offensive lineman as a, as a veteran player and teaching players through your experience so they don't have to, you know, put their hand on the stove and learn that way. So I think that's that's part of being an older player is, is imparting knowledge that you've learned uh, and and kind of growing the, the col- collective wisdom of the, the offensive line. And being a rookie, were there any specific players or offensive linemen that took you under their wing and showed you the ropes? Sure, because I was, I was such a young offensive lineman. I'd only played briefly when I got to the NFL. So there was a super solid uh, defensive line or offensive line in Tampa, Donald Penn uh, and Jeremy Zutala, Jeremy Trueblood. They were all kind of established players that uh, made the transition easier for me. Got it. So um, are there any, is there like one specific team that you've been more loyal to than any other? Like if you wanted to end your career with one of the teams that you've played for, would there be any specific team that you would choose? No, I mean, 
I don't say I have loyalty to any team just because I haven't really gotten re-signed by any team. If the team had shown me some bit of loyalty, I suppose I might have that feeling. But I've never played anywhere long enough to have that. Uh, just is what it is for who I've been in the league. But, I mean, I, I enjoyed Chicago. I could see, uh, you know, we live in Phoenix in the off season. It's like I'm not opposed to, like, a, uh, going back to a team like I did with Chicago. You know, I would go back to Tampa or Arizona or, or whatever. But, uh, no, I mean, when I'm done, I'm done, and, and that is what it is. Yeah. Got it. Um, so what are your plans for 2020? What are you, how are you trying to get back into the NFL? And have there any been, have there been any teams in specific that have contacted you? Yeah, I think the free agency has been kind of weird this year. Right. For some veterans, I guess, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends and players that are also veteran offensive linemen and the market's been slower for some guys like myself. So I think, that you just kind of wait and you're patient. And uh, I think that as a veteran offensive line, your value would count even more because there's no OTAs. There's limited interaction between teams and rookies. And these rookies are really going to be challenged coming in. So I think uh, teams are really going to have to lean on their veteran players uh, into the season. So I'm not super concerned with that. Got it. Um, so going back to your time with the Buccaneers, like your first season, your team came off before your first season. The Buccaneers went thirteen, went three and thirteen, and then when your rookie year, they went ten and six. You guys didn't make the playoffs. The next year, you only won four games. Do you think that? Why do you think that there was such a decline from those two seasons? And do you think that the re- that you guys not making the playoffs had a big part in your decline? No. So. I think it was a, it was kind of a young team. My my rookie year, a lot of young guys played like a ton, especially towards the end of the year. Uh, guys from other teams, guys that had, so they were kind of building. It was a youthful team, and like I said, we went we had a lockout in between my rookie year and the next year, so it was like an off season similar to this, where no one's uh, together as a team. They don't know when the season's going to start, if there's going to be a season. So I think like some guys strained, and a lot of guys didn't. Or, and then you miss out on those off-season workouts and meetings when you when you build continuity and you take that next step as a team. And uh, we didn't take that next step, and and unfortunately that was that was the end of the coaching staff. I think we would have all liked to get together for another year to see what we could have done with the full off-season, but unfortunately we didn't. So I mean, I think the lockout's a little bit to blame for that. Were there any players, uh, either growing up or even now in the NFL, that? you aspire to be like or that were your role models and inspiration yeah sure i had players uh <clears throat> you know when i was younger there were certain players i liked i mean i like like john elway uh i was a big fan of him i was a big fan of like the broncos of the early i guess late 90s you know 98 99 97 uh and then when i played d-line there were some guys i really liked to watch and then when i switched offensive line there were guys that i I enjoyed watching that now, you know, like Josh Sitton. I enjoyed watching Josh Sitton when he was with the Packers and, and Richie Incognito when he, he was with the, the Dolphins. And then now you kind of play it with these people or against them. Uh, but you always have people that you you respect their game and and you try to maybe model your game after when you're a younger player. Got it. So going to your time with the Dolphins, 
Um, you got a biceps injury in the 2017 season. You were placed on injury reserve, and you came back around week eight or nine. How did that injury affect the rest of your season? Uh, well, I've never had that surgery before, so <clears throat> or a surgery to re- repair something like a torn muscle or ligament. So the bicep was completely torn off the bone, and so they had to reattach it. And I, so I thought my season was over. It was early in training camp. But I actually, I kind of like figured out, I mean, it's like a, I got hurt very early in training camp. I knew I could come back after week eight. And so I had like three months to rehab the injury and I worked as hard as I could to rehab the injury and and be in shape and be strong. And so when you're coming back from a completely torn uh, tendon like that, obviously you're a little weaker, but I felt like I was in great shape. And I kind of, as the season got along and progressed, I got stronger and was able to play better towards the end of the year. But I definitely uh, missed that first half of the year. I mean, that's all the all of that training camp and all of that time playing. It takes you a little while to catch up to the speed of the game. Got it. Uh, we're going to let you go in a little bit. But do you have any advice for aspiring NFL players or offensive linemen? Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of work and a lot of kind of long-term planning, you know, as far as making certain sacrifices that you uh, have to make whether it's working out or being healthy or getting extra sleep. And so I think if you have goals, whatever they are, you know, you should write them down or uh, at least have an idea of what they are so you can, you can work towards them. And that's kind of what I did. And, and uh, I think with the internet, there's so many asks, uh, you know, you can reach out to any player you want to reach out to and talk to them or see any kind of workout or, or drill or any game you want. So I think that, the resources at hand are, are better than they've ever been. And like I said, you can really just reach out to any player that you have a question. And I think most guys are pretty good about getting back to, to people as long as people, you know, reach out with respect. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. All yeah. right. Thank you for coming on. Uh, and we uh, look forward to supporting you along your journey. And thank you. All right, thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of From the Den, please remember to comment or leave a review depending on your listening platform. Or if you're a Packers fan, remember to write some nasty reviews and comments. Thanks for listening and bear down.